Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name's Charlie. And my name is Femke. And today is going to be a bit of a different style of episode today. Mm-hmm. We are very excited to be doing a bit of a podcast crossover slash collaboration with the Honest UX Talks podcast. This is a podcast run by designers Anfisa and Iwana. And Basically, you're going to hear Anfisa and Iwana talk about the topic episode today. And the topic episode of today is how we retain the joy of doing so many side projects at the same time for long periods of time. Something that the four of us have in common is that we all have side projects on the side Mm -hmm. of our full-time job as designers. So we thought this would be a really sort of fun topic for all of us to talk about and kind of almost trade podcast hosts for an episode. Yeah, and if you want to hear me and Femme talk about this, that is going to be over on the Honest UX Talks podcast feed. So go find them, search them in whatever podcast app you're in now. Just type in Honest UX Talks and you'll find uh, us on their feed talking about this topic. And we'll go in and and hand things off to Anfisa and Ayuana right now to hear their thoughts on this. Take it away. Hello, new design friend. We are Ioana and Alfisa, and together we're hosting a weekly conversation about UX design called Honest UX Talks. We're tackling topics mostly around getting started, handling your first years as a UX designer. So if you're a beginner, a mid designer, but even seniors are more than welcome to check out Honest UX Talks on whatever platform you're listening on. We're really excited about this experiment and we hope to make new design friends. So thank you, Fenke and Charlie, for trying cool things around with us. And hi there. Nice to meet you. <laughs> the topic for today is how do you retain the passion for side project over a long period of time? Both myself and Anfisa have a lot of stories around that. So we're going to jump straight into the topic. So if you're new to our podcast, let's start with a very short intro about who we are and why we're doing this. So Anfisa, if you would like to introduce yourself to our new listener. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super, hyper thrilled to be here. I'm definitely excited for this experiment and hopefully it goes well. So quick intro. My name is Anfisa and I've been a product designer for around 10 years now. Also for the last around five, six years, I'm running UX courses, mentoring, and doing a lot of side projects such as content creation, for example, podcast on the CX Talks, as well as doing some content around mainly in Instagram, but also running email later. That's it on my side. How about you, Joanna? Let's talk about your projects. Well, my projects are just doing a lot of UX work over the years. And I think the main side gig is UX Goodies, which is an Instagram page that I started in 2018. And that sort of became part-time job because I invest a lot of time in it and it grew pretty nicely and now I have a community of friends. For this entire period I've also been doing side UX projects. I've launched a UX bootcamp and obviously doing the podcast Honest UX Talks. So I've always had a lot of things to juggle and that makes my life pretty interesting and exciting but also sometimes difficult. So let's go into the topic for today and try to unpack how all that works. So Anfisa, what was your first side project? How did you start doing extra work other than UX design? And what made you do it? Yay, definitely a very important question to start from. My case, it was actually very random and was not intentional. And I did not plan to become a content creator whatsoever, but I'm happy I did. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what happened is that I was doing an internship in Estonia. And when I finished the internship, my company that I was working for gave me a book that is called Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. I believe that's a pretty famous book. Many people have seen it around. It was a very fun, sort of entertaining, engaging book made of small, like I would call it newspaper cuts with a lot of tips on why it doesn't matter to be creating the perfect content, but really focusing on a daily routine of like putting yourself out there, sharing your lessons, sort of daily journaling, I guess. So at first I actually started on Tumblr page. I think I was posting there for around two months, but literally there was no engagement. And I just kind of got discouraged after doing that. And then one day, I think at that point I was living in Georgia and I was running offline mentoring courses. So there was Dribble at that point. Everybody was posting a lot on Dribble, And I was like, okay, let me try to actually do this also on Instagram because Dribble is a thing. Everybody's posting there, but there is no, no one in Instagram. And I literally just wanted to start like posting an engaging with the community. Unfortunately, there was no community back then. It was 2016. And when I started posting, there was not much of an engagement, but it was more than in Tumblr and I was already happy. Let's kind of fast forward to why it became a thing. I was doing this for one year. So around 2017, one summer day, I wake up and suddenly I'm seeing like 5,000 followers, which was not happening for like a year. And I was really blown away why it happened. And it appeared that Adobe, at, back then they had a very big and strong Adobe community online, particularly forum or blog. And they posted an article about like top 10 Instagram profiles to follow. And somehow I made a cut there and appeared there. And then one day kind of blown, like it was Woo, it was <laughs> finally starting to grow. Again, it was not my intention. My goal was to literally just share bits of what's happening every day. It was really not professional. It was just me posting pictures of random stuff that is happening. Sometimes it would be a student picture. I was also living in China in that year. So like student from China, then a book I read or new books I bought, or I don't know, new conference I visited or something like this. Very random pieces of life of New York designer. And I think the, the most famous post that was actually posted literally on this Adobe book was me just making some wireframes with my diploma attestate. <laughs> so I had like plastic diploma and I didn't have a linear or ruler and I was doing wireframes with that diploma. <laughs> And then it blown up because everybody was commenting like, oh, this is how you use a diploma. And that's how it started, I guess. And then we're going to talk a bit more about why it became a thing and how it kind of kept up happening. How about you? Why did you start your side projects, particularly on Instagram as UX goodies? I think in my case, it started from an acute feeling of being an imposter because in the early days as a designer, I felt like maybe I'm not right for this industry. Maybe I don't know enough. And there was this constant pressure on my shoulders to learn, to just be in the UX space like for the entire waking day. So that's how I started reading articles, taking in a lot of information in all different channels, YouTube, podcasts, everything. So I was consuming a lot of UX content. And at the same time, I was always a person sort of interested in social media kind of spending a lot of time on it not necessarily posting but just I don't know lurking scrolling and so I felt like this is a place where I'm wasting a lot of time and right now my focus is learning so at some point they just came together into an idea what if I use this place where I spend a lot of time to learn and how would that work that turned into just documenting things that I'm learning document a written piece that I've read or an interesting idea an interesting quote 
So I was capturing my daily insights as a UX designer that's learning heavily and sharing them on Instagram. So at that point, it wasn't even my own opinion so much or my own experience or something very original. It was just repurposing information, of course, while giving credit. So that, that's a very important mention to make for anyone who has this idea as well. So that's how it started. And so it was a, my little learning ritual, my a way to keep myself accountable, disciplined, and so on. Because I started with this intention in mind, I never thought about oh, I need to grow the account and get that whatever number of followers. That was never a thing because I couldn't even imagine that there are so many people interested in UX design on Instagram. But Instagram was the platform I was using anyhow. So that's how I decided to go there in a way. So it turned out that many people were interested in UX design. So the community grew very quickly. And I think in less than one year, I hit 10,000 followers. And then I think I went to 100,000 followers. I'm not sure if in the first year, but it was like not very far from the first year. And now I'm at 220,000 followers, which is pretty mind-blowing and obviously changed my life by bringing new side gigs and new side projects and enabling me to launch the UX bootcamp. And so it was like the, the quintessential side gig that I ever had trickled down into other side projects and made my life more complicated, but more beautiful. And I so remember, I think it was 2018 when you were literally on fire. You were posting so often, so much content, so much value. I think the community almost started because you started to be so proactive and people started to be like, hmm, I need to do this as well. And then I mean, suddenly in 2019, everybody was doing it. I do remember how you were like rocking it. Yeah, it was an intense journey. And I think we went through, we all experienced a similar stages. So when I joined Instagram and started my account, there were so few accounts on UX. Your account, UX by Ana, Ana Santos was there. And uh, this big page, UI UX, and I think that's it. Maybe Lubos, he was also around. There were like maybe 10 accounts dedicated to UX design. And then in one year, I think they were like 10,000. So huge, explosive growth. But let's fast forward to today and try to unpack very quickly what we're doing at the moment. What are the side projects and side gigs that we're juggling around with? Yeah, so exactly. I think for me and you both together, we, we actually unlocked a lot of opportunities with, with Instagram. We have to give it the credit, right? Right now, I personally have a love-hate relationship with Instagram, but it's true for a while, it's been a very big part of what we are doing and what defines us and what makes us, I guess, even professionals. Just like you, for me, it was also a huge booster for my learning, I guess, because when you're creating content, especially if you're having an audience you're creating it for, it does give you a sense of responsibility and you have to always check your resources. You have to make sure you're providing the valid information. You have to do extra research. You have to work on copies, sometimes visuals, and then it just grows and grows and grows. And it teaches you so many skills, not just to validate your information. And by the way, like just, you know, all the facts about design and industry, but also, you know, it teaches you extra soft skills about how to communicate it well. It's a big part of our professional journey. Now, talking about the specific side projects and how it became a bigger thing, like all the projects we have mentioned in the beginning of this episode, I think it was also 2018 or maybe even 19 when the community started being really, really proactive. And I, I also think like around 2018, I got around maybe 10,000 followers. I can't remember already. The point is it started growing. And because like you said, the community was not very active and there were not so many profiles to follow just yet. There was a strong demand for like education, I guess. 
at least that's what I had an impression from. Every morning I wake up and I have like 15 messages like, hey, how do you get started in UX? Oh, where do I get started? Oh, what are the courses? Oh, what are the books? And all those repeated questions. And I kind of felt like I just need to create a course around this because everybody is asking you the same questions and every time you're answering and it's just one answer at the time, but it's not scalable. So you cannot just send the link and let those people kind of redirect them to a source where there are all of those answers already documented. The need was there and I think in 2019, I started working on the online course. The good thing is that I already have this curriculum because like I mentioned in 2016, I was already working on offline courses. So I had a curriculum, some practice and lessons made of that experience. And what I did was just repurposing that curriculum, adjusting it, making it more modern, up to date with new tools, with more cases. In 19, I was still freelancing. So I was actually using some of my current projects as a case studies. So I I think I started in 2019 and then I finished it around middle of 2020. So it took me one and a half year to build the course. And so that was a huge part as well, because I think it was the biggest side project yet I've done. It literally took me one and a half year of almost like every day for three hours work. It was very intense until now. I'm still feeling like I'm recovering. (laughs) I don't know if I want to do another thing as intense as this one, Uh, but I would be honest, like, uh, so from 2020, when I finished it, it felt so rewarding. So many people kind of benefited from it. And I, I don't know, just receiving so many great messages. And of course, a side income is just super hyper rewarding. So it literally is one of my biggest motivations today to see this impact. For me personally, it is the motivation to keep it coming. One of the key motivations, to be completely honest, that course, it kind of changed the trajectory and made me still sticking around. Apart from that, as you know, Ioana, <laughs> in the 2021, I believe it was, or maybe, no, it was actually still 2020. I reached out to you in September while you were in the last months of being pregnant and asked, how about this new crazy adventure doing the podcast, right? So that's another thing that happened to us both. I'm still very, 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 very grateful for you to accept in this crazy challenge. And even though it was not easy for you at all, knowing that you, you became a mom first time together with doing a lot of other side projects and uh, still being able to find and prioritize time kind of recording those episodes weekly is still also a very, very good thing. Because for me right now, it's this more in-depth space where, you know, Instagram became a bit more shallow when it's like lower attention spans, quick impressions, more engagement about the more trendy topics, while podcast became a place for me personally to uh, unpack topics more in depth, tackling more specific problems the designers are going through. And I today feel it almost like design therapy that I really, really eager to have almost weekly, right? And I think we stick around with this, not as long as Design Live Girls, right? As Femken and Charlie. But I hope we can do this as well in like five years and also debrief and say, wow, we did it for such a long while. But I'm feeling really happy about it right now. And just recently, I also started the newsletter and this is also a new adventure. Originally, I also wanted to write the book, but I do realize that it is impossible with all those side projects that are happening at the moment to also focus on the book. So I guess this year, 2022, I'm focusing on just developing my writing skill with the also weekly or bi-weekly email list letter, and then we will see how it goes the next year. So I'm going to stop here. I don't want to spend all the time. <laughs> Tell me about your side projects and how it is going. Obviously, you also have a bootcamp, so that's a big one as well. Yeah, and I think you, you spoke to a lot of my feelings 
experience as well. So I, I do feel that we had a similar journey in terms of even emotional engagement. And for me, I just want to say that it was pretty intense to make room for the podcast because the podcast needs quiet. And so that meant that I had to organize everything around the baby and somebody had to be in and ideally take the baby out while I was recording. And it was pretty, it's pretty hard when the baby is very small. And we did have a lot of episodes where I recorded with the baby in the room or in my arms. And so it was, it's, it's really an honest conversation from all angles. It was a really amazing experience and it helped me crystallize then and articulate some ideas that I didn't have the opportunity of discussing in other contexts. So thank you for that. And uh, definitely Honest UX Talks will be one of my core heart projects forever. <laughs> and hopefully we'll go as long as Femke and Charlie and we'll be able to talk about this five years from now. And uh, the podcast was sort of one of the last things I added to the palette of side gigs that I had. I actually started out with UX side projects. I've always had some UX side projects along my daytime job. Most of them were either sometimes part-time roles, which required a pretty intense period of doing work because they were like a, a sprint, if you want, of a couple of months. But sometimes they were consultancy gigs where there wasn't so much time engagement, but there was quite a lot of responsibility and uh, I was able to make an impact uh, or steer the design decisions that the teams I was collaborating with were making. So uh, I've had the opportunity to work up with design agencies and so on. So it wasn't all just content creation on the side. It was also doing UX work. And that helped me a lot to visit new perspectives, get new angles on the process, learn new things, explore industries, teams, ways of working and so on. So getting back to the content creation, for a while UX Goodies was just a, a very fun place where I came and just did content and there was no responsibility and no pressure and nothing. But then as it grew, I realized that, oh, now I have to get more serious about it, at least on an ethical level, if you want. So now all these people, 200,000 people are following me. What am I giving them? What are the messages that I want to put out there in the world? Now I have a responsibility. Everything I post has to be thought and rethought. And I have to think about it 1000 times because I don't want to promote or teach bad things or things that aren't functional or realistic and so on. So there was this new layer of huge responsibility that I experienced that kind of took away some of the joy of experimenting. So speaking about how to retain your joy in your projects, sometimes when, when it becomes just a lot of responsibility, joy is very hard to keep. So for me, experimenting and having freedom and having creative room and, and not having to respect boundaries or all these constraints and fears, I have to do that in my UX work. So I don't want to do it in my side projects as well. I want to be free. And so I felt like I increasingly lost the freedom. And even when I started working with brands, which was sort of like this incredible moment, because for a very long time, I had absolutely no way of monetizing Instagram. And it felt like everybody had brand gigs, sponsorships, projects, collaborations with, I don't know, Adobe or anything. And I didn't have any. And my community was sort of the biggest, but I had absolutely no way of monetizing it. I didn't have a course. I didn't have the bootcamp. So so I, it felt like I'm putting in a lot of work and I'm not doing it, obviously, to earn money because that's not how it started. But at some point, I kind of felt like maybe I, I, I should also experiment with that. Why not? Since I spent so much time doing a lot of free work. When I started doing brand deals, now my content was kind of constrained by the brand deals. I had to say some things that 
just makes sense in the context of the brand. So a new layer of not being free. So that's what gradually took away from the joy of posting content. But as you said, launching the UX bootcamp was actually a milestone for me as well. Because at that point, I kind of felt like finally I have something tangible that I can offer. I have something that's that really stands for my values, the things that I've been talking about, what I feel an ideal transition to UX design should be. And now I was able to help these people on a very concrete level and help them start their learning process, find the right mentor, find the right UX job for them. And, and it was just 10 times more rewarding than everything I've experienced up to that point. So that's when I regained my joy. <laughs> So, so I think that this is how I managed to keep things going for a long time. They were pretty varied. There, there was a lot of variety. There was a lot of diversity. Everything brought something new and sort of informed the other thing. And so I kept going. And for most parts, it was just a very joyful journey with some frustrations around how Instagram started working. The algorithm kept changing. I, I never managed to keep up to date with what's going on on Instagram. I, I wasn't particularly fast in, in adopting reels because I didn't want to just make it dancey kind of profile. And I didn't eventually. I, I managed to do reels without dancing most of the times. I think getting to the core of our conversation, which is how to retain the joy after a long time juggling a lot of side projects. I think that there's a real risk of burnout. So that's why people lose joy and maybe they lose their freedom. And that's another reason for which they might lose joy in things that they start doing because they believe in them and it gets them excited. But I feel that adding new angles, changing perspectives, just a very, very small example before I give it to you to tell us how you retain joy. A very small example is I changed the UX goodies branding like two times, I think. In the beginning, I didn't even have a branding, obviously. Then I introduced one that, that didn't have a lot of personality. Then I had one with more personality for a long time. And, and then I started feeling like I dreaded. But when I asked people in my stickers if I should change it, if I should bring a fresh look, oh no, that's the UX goodie style. Don't change it. It, it represents you. It's, it's you. Every time I wanted to change it, I had a, the fear that people were, were telling me. So I have to listen to my users, right? I have to practice what I preach. They say they like it. They say they associate it strongly with me. There's, there's an emotional connection maybe, right? I don't want to lose that. But I wasn't happy creating content with that branding anymore. So when I changed the branding, it was like a complete refresh in my mind as well and in my feelings and in my attitude and it became exciting again and now I could play around with new elements, new visual styles. I don't know, even small changes in the routine or in the things that it, when it becomes boring or difficult or overwhelming, even switching up small details can have a tremendous impact on how you experience that particular side project. So I think this is my experience in a nutshell, right? What about you? How do you keep enjoying doing so many things on the side and content creation in general? Oh yeah, I feel you on so many different pain levels, I guess. I think it's very, very common for people. Let's, it's, it's almost like we can put it into the user journey, right? When you start, you're excited, you're experimenting, you're not feeling any like a burden of responsibility. You're just playing around. In the beginning, it could be also slightly frustrating because maybe you're not getting enough of the engagement that's the goal for you. Usually people start because they only just want to have some fun and 
that works. But then again, like you said, there's the burden responsibility, the exponential growth of the effort you have to put into it, right? Then the algorithm changes and you have to keep up with the algorithm. Then the community, not to say pressure you, but you can see that the bar is raising because the quality of the visuals has to change, the formats has to change, the, the, the information you're putting out there has to be much more validated and make sure it's proofreaded for us. English is not the first language we sometimes also make mistakes. I personally do, at least. And so there are all those extra layers that are added on top of that sort of sometimes volatile level of joy. And it could become a big thing. And, and I think we can both notice that, like we said, in 2019-20, the community was really, really on the race, obviously also due to the pandemic situation and people having more free time and able to create content. But then I think in 2021, especially with the reels coming up, the dynamics changed a lot. And we could see so many content creators stopped posting. And up to date, I think we're back to 2019 or so, or 18 even, like with just so much less content creators, at least on Instagram. And I can see why, honestly speaking. <laughs> I'm also like feeling sometimes I'm done with it. I have to stop doing that. I just have to do the, the email and the podcast and that is it. <laughs> but again, you remember about the community you're having there and some sort of level of obligation maybe or responsibility and the trust you're having. So you kind of is feeling sometimes this little pressure so I'm just reestablishing the problems that you might be experiencing as the content creator doing it for a while. And like you said also, Joanna, right? The habit. People expect certain things from you because they followed you up for a specific thing, for a specific style, for the specific content. And then if you're changing it to keep up with the algorithms or with your inner need to change the visuals, then you're almost feeling like you're betraying people who followed you. So it could become this juggling game in your head and you're like oh, I'm sure what to do should you do this should you not do this I know the struggle very very well let's get back to the topic of this conversation the joy for me personally I would say that 2020 2021 was really not enjoyable years for creating content again because of those problems we just discussed in 2022 finally I'm back to being excited and joyful about the side projects Woohoo! finally maybe it has to do something with coronavirus <laughs> being ended but I do feel like this year particularly, I don't spend so much time figuring things out. I have a routine that is already well established. I'm at peace with not following up with the algorithm needs. I don't care so much about having like always engaging posts or whatever. And I don't even care so much about the growth anymore. For me right now, I'm back to, to the year one or two when I'm just enjoying uh, finding interesting, I don't know, information writing about my experiences, sharing my stories, sharing fun memes that I found hilarious or whatever. So I think only was the time I was going through this turbulence of emotions, I kind of came at peace to this. Plus a very big and important part for me was that I figured out the automation and the process of creating the content in a more predictable way. Particularly one year ago, I figured out the branding, like you said, branding was also a big part of it because I hated my branding as well. I didn't have one, honestly. I had just like, just like sliders that I created one day in like 10 minutes. And then I was keeping it up because it was me also for like two years. And it just looked very, very not modern. Let's just say so. <laughs> I hated it. I hated the, the typography. I hated the illustrations that I had to write and stuff like that. So I worked with the branding designer. He helped me a lot to refresh and kind of put some visual language into the, the, the message I'm sending. 
And that made it super fun because I really liked the results. And then I also uh, partnered up with a girl, with Christiana, who is helping me a lot with the illustrations. And people love those illustrations. So I'm really having fun every time collaborating with Christiana and coming up with like those fun, cute squiggles. And um, and yeah, like I think today because I'm collaborating with another um, illustrator and because I have somebody to rely on and we figured out the design system, I have like templates on which I'm putting the content on and I'm sending the, like, the ideas to to, to, to Christiana basically uh, to help me with visualizing this we always have like this predictable pipeline and today we have a content already done for August and right now it's May so I'm really happy to know that oh there is already con content in the pipeline being ready and I don't have to worry about posting it in the right time with the right hashtags with the right whatever 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 right so that took a huge lift off my shoulders and plus again like I said I think I just came at peace with not worrying about the engagement and growth and all of that luckily I got to 100,000 K and it feels like now it's done I don't I don't need to grow anymore I'm really really happy <laughs> I felt the pressure of growing that I need to be doing this because I was doing it for like I don't know six years now I should just achieve it right now I don't care <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're trying to be honest here, so it is how it is. So yes, at the moment, I'm just looking for the new challenge. And like I said, it's back to exploring new spaces. Now it's email list, figuring out again, how the engagement grows, how to write engagingly, how to give value in a deeper level. I I'm still learning to write, to be completely honest. Instagram was giving me a lot of opportunities to grow in the beginning because you could write sort of like sort of long reads it's not long reads sorry it's it's from the beginning it's not long reads but it's longer than it is right now with like i don't know just hashtags so it helped me in the past to write but then it stopped because the carousel became a thing and now i'm back to writing and i'm super super enjoying it at the moment yeah that is it i guess from my side anything you would also add to this topic <laughs> I think you touched on another thing that I've experienced quite in the opposite space. <laughs> I'm impressed, first of all, by the fact that you have content for August and May. It's just something that is in a way aspirational for me. I feel like I'm never going to have that in my life ever. But for me, what makes me happy on a daily basis in the side projects is to be able to improvise to a certain level. So I have some idea on Sunday about what I want to post in the next week. But it's, it's very much relying on my mood, on what I am excited about in that day. So I, I kind of correlate the, the content that I do with whatever is really getting me excited at that moment. And, and I felt that when I was batching content or planning ahead for a long time, because the ideas didn't feel new when I posted them because they were in the back of my mind for like two months. I wasn't so excited by them anymore. In, in my case, I don't like structures. I like just uh, being free to do whatever I feel. So it's my emotional outlet, if you want. I don't want planning for it, but I feel that if I would plan it, it would be like a more consistent and, a, and even a better way of delivering content and my audience would probably get more value out of it but i think so just to wrap up and to sum up what made me stick around for so long and what makes side projects so exciting is that you get to kind of break free from some of the constraints and limits that a daytime job has because you're working within a lot of boundaries and within a big organization or even if it's small it's processes are complicated, team dynamics are sophisticated. There's a lot of complexity to navigate most times. And when you're doing things on your own, when you're even doing UX consultancy, but when you're doing content creation more than anything, you're free to be yourself fully. So you don't have to abide by some 
company principles, company rules of working, dynamics, flows, and everything. So it's just you being you and doing the things that you believe in. So that freedom is what made me continue on this road and it keeps me happy. And I feel that adding new angles, like I said, is really also very important. And the most important part in the case of content creation in particular, but also in the UX bootcamp case is connecting with people. So for me, having the space of that gives me the opportunity to meet so many new people, to help so many people, to help young junior designers transition into UX design, to meet senior designers and learn from them, to like, I've grown my my network in ways that I couldn't even imagine were possible. The human aspect of the side projects has always been core in my experience, has always been what made it all worth it at the end of the day, every day. I just want to sign under it. I am on with you on that one. I think it's a very also big part of it, like being able to unlock those connections you would never imagine having, right? With the industry leaders, with the book writers, with the content creators and just really smart and cool people. And yeah, I think we didn't mention you have like, who do you have as a mentor? <laughs> Yeah, my mentor is Stephen Gates. And yes, he's an absolute design leader. He also has a podcast, a crazy one. He's been my mentor for three years, all thanks to UX Goodies. So it's just yeah. incredible. That's how I, met. That? I actually invited him to be a guest on a, a post series with design leaders. And then we had the opportunity of meeting in London and then he became my mentor. And it was just incredible how much he helped me grow. So it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That 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 is the point. Like, I think... It gives you so many opportunities you could never believe you could have, right? Because who who you are even like you're just like creating the content for yourself, basically. We're learning to write here. <laughs> exactly. And plus a lot of imposter syndrome. Definitely. UX goodies yeah. has made me experience the height of imposter syndrome in my life. It's just like the question, who am I to be followed by so many people is very, very present. Now I just own the fact that I'm just a person telling what they're learning. That's it. It's not more than that. I don't have to be the best design leader in the world to deserve followers. It's just I'm a person sharing their journey. So another point that comes out of this point, I think, is that if you don't put the pressure and the burden of being in a way like I should be like this because I have so many followers, that means that now I have to behave in a certain way and whatever. If you take out the pressure, it, it becomes more relaxed. Like you said, now you don't care so much about growing your following, getting new followers, getting to 100K because you're there. <laughs> Congratulations. It feels like it all became more natural, more relaxed. And so I think that's also an important aspect, keeping it relaxed. Keeping it relaxed and finding again the joy why you are doing this. And we never talked about why. Definitely this episode could be like two hours long. But but yes, also remembering why you're doing this, being honest, I guess, self-aware about does it even make sense for you to keep doing this? Or let's stop here because it doesn't give me what I originally started it for. So again, like in the beginning, maybe it was one thing. Maybe in, in the beginning, it was just like putting your daily beats out there because you want to have this diary. Then people start engaging. Then it becomes community. Maybe then you start figuring out the skills you're building with that, right? So maybe you're starting to write or having a better graphics and figuring out your branding. Gives you something, right, in return. And then as you go, it becomes harder and harder and harder. Again, remembering the customer journey or like user journey, it becomes really hard to keep it up. But you have to ask yourself why you're doing this. Does it still make sense to you? Maybe not. And it's going to be very honest and better for you. But for us, with you, and it just happened so that we started having those educational materials and it helped us keep keeping it going. 
for Joanna, it was a way to connect with the community and give back and teach them and help them transition into UX design in a personal level. And for me, it was also the course and ability to unlock this educational opportunity in a scalable way, I guess. And, and now it's like the conversation that we are having on the podcast. And then again, like reinventing our branding. So there are a lot of things we touched today upon, right? And again, the reason why for us is always different. Sometimes it's community enable and being able to talk to people. Sometimes it's opportunities and being able to really great market leaders. And sometimes it's just new skills that you're developing. So again, for me, it's now writing. So it's a very, very interesting topic. We're tackling a lot to unpack still, but I think we should be wrapping it up by now already. <laughs> yes, let's wrap it up. And I, I feel that probably we're going to need a part two on Honest UX Talks. I don't want to like take advantage of Femke and Charlie's openness to experiment with this, this idea of switching faces for conversation. And so thank you so much to Femke and Charlie for giving us the opportunity to meet their listeners and to make new design friends. And of course, we're doing the same thing on Honest UX Talks. So if you want to check out their conversation on our podcast, you'll find it in the listening platforms you're using. So definitely check out that their stories as well. Probably going to be a very interesting experiment for you to meet them in a new light, right? In the light of being guests in someone else's conversation space. So thank you so much for listening. I feel that we just scratched the surface of this topic and probably we're going to need future episodes on how to stay happy <laughs> as a designer. And um, I hope that we will see you again on our podcast, Honest UX Talks. Find it on whatever listening platform you're using. We're pretty much everywhere. And I guess that's it. Thank you, Anfisa, yeah. for another conversation. <laughs> thank you, Femke and Charlie. Thank you, Anna, for another great conversation. And thank you, guys, new people, which we never been able to connect with, but we are super excited to make new friends, hopefully. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, everybody, for listening and for this opportunity. And we hope to see you online. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.